On this episode of the Grizz Podcast, I give you an update on what's been going down in my life, and then I help you understand what actually went down with the recent school shooting at the elementary school in Texas. There are still a lot of unanswered questions that need to be answered, but one thing is very clear. We have a major crisis here in America, and the true underlying problem has nothing to do with guns. So here we go. Oh, yeah. You're listening to the Grizz Podcast, where our mission is to help boys become men and to help men become better men. It's going to be raw. It's going to be real. And it's going to be relevant. Now, here's your host, Jason George. I'm your huckleberry. Yo, what is going down on my brothers from other mothers around the world? Thanks so much for taking time out of your day to tune in and listen to the Grizz podcast. Today is Wednesday, June 1st, 2022. And as usual, I'm coming at you from the beautiful low country of South Carolina. I'm here in the Grizz Cave with my dog, Remy, and a hot cup of coffee. Let me grab a sip of that hot cup of coffee because I'm needing it. You know what I'm saying? Man, I sincerely hope that you guys had a fun and relaxing Memorial Day weekend with your family and friends. We had some family and friends over And uh, we enjoyed some amazing food, pool time, and even went to see Top Gun 2, which I thought was just epic, man. Legendary. It was so well done. And I was thinking, like, finally, a quality movie out of Hollywood without any sort of woke agenda. It's been a long time since we've seen that. Man, I laughed and I cried and was just on the edge of my seat for many scenes of the movie. I loved it. If you haven't seen it yet, go see the new Top Gun movie. Uh, Let's see. I recently did some mountain biking, which is good, 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 good for me to be back on the trail. I was able to knock out about 12.5 miles on the Palmetto Trail here in the low country. It's an easy ride, totally flat. No crazy climbs or downhills, beautiful scenery over just a lot of marsh uh, areas here in the low country. But the mosquitoes, dude, they were killer. Kill me. They tore me up. I should have put on more bug spray. I sprayed it on my my clothing, but not on my skin because I didn't have the kind that you can put on your skin because you can't put all bug sprays on your skin. You don't want that seeping into your pores, if you know what I'm saying. You know what I mean? You ever think about that? If it kills bugs and then your pores are open and sweating and you're like, well, I'm going to spray it on me too. (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to get it in my system. Yeah, genius. So grateful that I felt well enough to go for a bike ride like that. Uh, My knee from surgery is doing much better, getting stronger each day. I am no longer wearing the brace. Thanks for your prayers. And uh, anyway, what else is going down? Oh, yeah. I finally got my stereo system set up here in the Grizz Cave. I had to get a new record player 
I was frustrated because my old one broke in the big move from Maryland to South Carolina. And then uh, the other day I was heading over to pick up some things for the house and I found this cool music store, place called West Ashley. It's right by Charleston. Um, a huge music store with a great selection of not only new, but old vintage vinyl records. I collect vinyls, mostly classic rock. So at this music store, I picked up uh, three used vinyls that were in great shape, man. And I was searching all through it. In fact, I was, you know, some they've got labeled like alphabetically. You can try to find the bands and the artists. But then they had this section where he's like, these just came in and we haven't had time to sort them. And it was just like these crates. So I started going through it and I found, <clears throat> dude, I'm so excited. I found two Van Halen uh, originals and no scratches on them. <clears throat> Sorry. So I was excited. I uh, got the self-titled Van Halen album, which has, you know, like Running With The Devil has that song. And it has uh, uh, Ain't Talking About Love. I love that song. And then I got the album Fair Warning, which has my second favorite Van Halen song of all time. Unchained. If you know, you know. All right. David Lee Roth. Sorry, Sammy. Can't match it. Get that from here, baby. And I don't care where I'm going. Here's to your thin red line. I'm stepping over. Change. Nothing stays the same. Unchanged. That's some good stuff right there, man. Anyway, <clears throat> I'll spare you. I also picked up a U2 vinyl. Got the Unforgettable Fire which uh, has that great song, In the Name of Love. <laughs> so if you're looking to do something special and loving for the Grizz, you can send in an old vinyl. Anyway, what else is going down in my life? Today I celebrate 26 years of marriage with my wife, Stephanie. Super grateful for her. Seriously, she's an amazing woman. She is an incredibly hard worker. She's disciplined. She's fun. She's funny. She's giving. She's a great mom to our three kids. I'm blessed. You know, our marriage has definitely gone through some tough times over the last 26 years, but by God's grace, we persevered, and I'm thankful that we did. I feel like we're closer now than we've ever been, and I really want to get her on the podcast soon. I think that would be a good episode she could talk about like everything this guy has done wrong in marriage, but has corrected <laughs> and is still trying to correct. Be a great episode. Probably be like our most listened to. What else is going down? 
Um, my son, he is supposed to be shipping out on his first training cruise with the Navy. Of course, I can't tell you any details about that. It's classified. I mean, I could tell you, but then I'd have to kill you. So I'm excited for him. I think it's going to be super good for him. And my oldest daughter, she is coming in town this week for a few days. Uh, so it'll be good to spend time with her. My wife is about to go pick her up at the airport. What else is going down in my life? Uh, I need to lose like 20 pounds of fat. That's what I need to do. That That's what's needing to go down is my weight. Any of you guys with me, man? Kettle chips, late at night. Be killing me, man. I don't even know why my wife buys those. She's trying to fatten me up, dude. I saw uh, recently a friend was taking some video of me. We were at a pool together. I had my shirt off. Was being stupid and funny and, you know, did kind of a cannonball to splash his wife. And uh, just saw the video of myself. I was like, that's not good, dude. <laughs> I got to lose the belly. So I'm increasing my exercise and I am decreasing my carb intake, more protein. So I thought about getting back on keto, but I don't think that's a good idea for my digestive system. I'm still trying to heal that up. I'll spare you the details. So I'm at 210 right now. My goal is to get down to 190 by the end of 2022. I'm stating it here publicly for accountability reasons. I'm going back to 190, increasing my aerobic activity calorie burning and decreasing the carbs and the sugars basic science guys i've done it before i shall do it again this knee surgery has had me immobile for a few months no more i am motivated to do this the grizz is gonna be unchained baby unchained my brothers Anyway, what else is going down? Let's transition to something much more serious and important. And let's talk about the recent school shooting in Texas at Robb Elementary School. I'm sure most of you heard something about it, but you may not know many of the details. There's been a lot of varying reports, but here's what I found out through my own research. So let me grab a sip of my coffee right quick. This shooting happened in the city of Uvalde, which is approximately 85 miles west of San Antonio and has a population of roughly 16,000 people. The cowardly shooter was an 18-year-old Hispanic young man who first shot his grandmother in the face and then drove to Robb Elementary School and killed 21 people, 19 children, two adults. This is the second deadliest school shooting in U.S. history right behind Sandy Hook, and this comes right after the recent and tragic supermarket shooting in Buffalo, New York. Now, I have a timeline of what went down that day in Uvalde at Robb Elementary School and also some information of what occurred leading up to that day. I'll get to that shortly. 
First off, there was a highly disturbing video that has recently emerged, and it shows the young man who shot up the Texas elementary school holding up a bag of blood-soaked dead cats. And it shows him smiling while holding up the bag. According to video footage obtained by the New York Post, which was so graphic that the publication had to blur out the bag, this was a very disturbed and mentally uh, unstable young man, to say the least. The New York Post also reported, and I quote, the sicko was previously rumored to have had a fascination with dead cats and had threatened to kidnap, kill, and rape girls who shunned him online, end quote. David Trevino Jr., who is related to the shooter's grandmother by marriage, told the New York Post that the attacker was known for harming animals. And I quote, the shooter was known for hurting cats, he said. He liked hurting animals. I'm told he killed cats and carried around the bag of bodies for, I don't know, something in giggles. Um, the article goes on to say, the video shows he was not right in the head. He's not all there. The video raises all sorts of red flags. FYI, hurting animals in the state of Texas is a felony which would have automatically prevented the attacker from being able to purchase the guns that he used during this tragedy at the elementary school. The article goes on, and this is from one of the shooter's high school classmates who said about the shooter, he would go to the park and he would try to pick on people and he loved hurting animals. Goes on and it says, I remember there was one time we saw him beating a little dog senseless. A second classmate made similar claims saying that he would hurt animals and that he was, quote unquote, not a good person. The attacker was, quote unquote, a boy who was not bullied, he said. He would try to pick on people and fail and it would aggravate him. A lot of people who knew him, we knew he wasn't mentally healthy, he added. And a lot of people could agree we probably should have said something. You think? Anyway, it's sad, man. It's sad. When you see things like that, you've got to speak up. You got to let somebody know. Let me grab a sip of my coffee. Anyway, here's a timeline of how the Uvalde shooting and police response unfolded. This comes from the Texas Tribune. See, September 2021. So last year, before turning 18, the shooter asked his sister to help him buy a gun. So he wasn't 18. He's asking his sister to help him buy a gun. She refuses. Then, this year, March 1st through the 3rd, on March 1st, the shooter discusses wanting to purchase a gun in a group chat on Instagram. In another Instagram chat on March 3rd, someone tells the shooter, word on the street is that you're buying a gun. The shooter replies, just bought something, 
right now. That was March 1 through 3. March 14th of this year, the gunman makes an Instagram post with the caption, 10 more days. A user comments, are you going to shoot up the school or something? The shooter replies, no, and stop asking dumb questions and you'll see. Investigators didn't specify what the post consisted of. By the way, research shows that almost all school shooters tell someone of their intent to act out. Both the shooter in Buffalo at the grocery store and the shooter in Uvalde at the elementary school did this on social media platforms. Then we get to May 16th through 20th through the 20th this year. As you know, the shooter turns 18. The legal age for purchasing a rifle in Texas on May 16th. The shooter then legally purchases two rifles from a local federal firearms licensee on two separate days. May 17th, he purchases one. And then on May 20th, he purchases another one. He also buys 375 rounds of 5.56 caliber ammunition. Reports say that he purchased a DDM4 rifle. That's a rifle that is manufactured by Daniel Defense. That's where the DD comes from, the DDM4 rifle. Now, I know that those particular rifles retail anywhere between $1,500 to $2,000 each. And I'm trying to understand how in the world did this 18-year-old have that kind of money to purchase two of those rifles, the ammo, and I think he also bought like a body armor vest or something like that. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I just don't have four to $5,000 sitting around to go purchase things like that. Um, I don't know. I heard he worked fast food, so I'm just, I don't understand that. But maybe he had been saving his money. I don't know. May 24th, 2022, the day of the shooting. Here's how it goes down. Around 11 a.m., the shooter sends private Facebook messages to a girl in Germany that he met online and tells her about his plans to shoot his grandmother. The gunman shoots his grandma in the face, who then calls the police. The shooter then steals his grandmother's vehicle and drives from his home to Robb Elementary School, which is about a two-mile drive away. That's at 11 a.m. Then, at 11.28 a.m., the shooter arrives at the elementary school. He crashes the vehicle in a ditch near the school. He fires his gun at two male witnesses who began approaching the crash from a nearby funeral home. The witnesses flee, and they call 911. I mean, I heard about this and I'm like, it's too bad those witnesses who he just started firing at were not trained in carrying a gun on them because it could have ended right then and there. This is why I legally carry a gun on me every single day. I walked my dog in the neighborhood last night and I had my gun on me. Now, you need to know. I'm trained by instructors. I've had 
a lot of classroom time, and I've also had a lot of range time. And I still want, need more training. And I have to constantly go and do this because it is a huge deal to carry a gun. I'm also background checked. I have my concealed carry permit. I'm also a member of the United States Concealed Carry Association. So at that moment, when this dude gets out of his crash car and starts firing a weapon, a responsible trained adult with a legal gun could have, could have ended the life of the attacker before he massacred 21 people in Uvalde Elementary School. If anything, the shots would have been fired. There would have been resistance. You could have maybe pinned him down and kept him from going into the school. A gun could have been used to prevent evil and protect the innocent. In that moment, a gun could have been a powerful force for good, for life, to save life. I never want to use my weapon on a person. I hope I never have to. But in that situation, I would, period. I'm going to shoot the attacker. 11.30 a.m. A teacher at the elementary school makes a 911 call reporting the crash and seeing the shooter, noting he has a gun. The shooter walks toward the school climbs the fence into the parking lot and shoots at the school several times. He's firing shots before he even enters the building. 11.31 a.m. The shooter reaches the last row of vehicles in the school parking lot, firing his rifle throughout. Police arrive at the funeral home. A school district police officer speeds in the direction of a person they think is the man with the gun reported by the teacher, but drives past the gunman and heads to the back of the school, mistaking a teacher for the shooter. Two minutes later, 11.33 a.m., the shooter enters the school through a back door, which a teacher had propped open. He shoots at least 100 rounds into classroom 111 and 112, which are connected. Why on earth was the door propped open while school is in session? That's a major question right there. Two minutes later, 11.35 a.m., Three Uvalde police officers rush to the same door that the gunman used to enter, which is now closed, and they can't enter. Why can't the police enter? Because now the door's closed. So, uh, it says that they eventually enter. I'm not sure how. I don't know if they got a key. And they receive grazing wounds from the gunman. So they retreat. Later, four more officers, including a deputy with the Uvalde County Sheriff's Officers, also try to enter the school. 11.37 a.m., the gunman fires 16 more rounds. 11.43 a.m., 
Rob Elementary School announces on Facebook it is under a lockdown status due to gunshots in the area. The students and staff are safe in the building, they say, in their Facebook status. The building is secure in a lockdown status. So Rob Elementary School, their first announcement is that there's gunshots in the area. (laughs) But there's gunshots in the school. And they're trying to say the students and staff are safe in the building. No, they're not safe. The gunman, the active shooter, is in the building. At the same time, the Uvalde Police Department posts on Facebook, large police presence at Robb Elementary. We ask the public to avoid the area. A minute later, 11.44 a.m., police with the city of Uvalde and the local school district are inside the school. They hear gunfire, are shot at, they move back, they get cover. It says here, initial officers are there, they receive gunfire, therefore they do not make entry. Officers call everyone in the area for additional resources. They call for tactical teams, equipment, specialty equipment, body armor, precision riflemen, and negotiators. They're evacuating students and teachers during this time. Victor Escalon is the one who said this, a DPS official at a press conference on May 26. 11.51 a.m., more law enforcement officials arrive at the school. 11.54 a.m., 21 minutes after the shooter enters the school, an onlooker, Angela Ledzema streams a live video showing parents begging the police to enter the school and do something because they're all standing outside. 12.03 p.m. A student calls 911 from room 112 for a minute and 23 seconds and identifies herself in a whisper. Meanwhile, as many as 19 officers are positioned in the school's hallway. That's what they're saying. This is the report, that there were officers in the school hallway positioned. Why they're not charging the shooter and going at him, I don't know. 12.10 p.m., the student calls 911 again and says multiple people are dead. 12.13 p.m., the student calls 911 a third time time authorities have not expanded on her comments during this call so you've got a student calling three times an elementary school student calling three times help me help us get in here 12 15 p.m a border patrol tactical unit members carrying shields arrive 12, 16 p.m., the student calls 911 again. (laughs) The student calls 911 again, saying eight or nine students are alive. I guess everyone else has been shot in their class. I'm not sure what that means. 12, 17 p.m., Rob Elementary officials announce on Facebook there's an active shooter on campus. And I'm sure everybody in the community is like, thanks for letting us know. Because we already know. Onlookers and parents are begging outside for action. At some point during the standoff, um, 
onlookers are begging the police to charge the school and parents are trying to break windows and they want to get in to rescue their kids and um, they're not allowed. 12.19 p.m. A student in room 111 calls 911 and hangs up when another student tells her to. 12.21 p.m. The gunman fires again. Authorities say he was believed to be at the classroom door. On a 911 call from a student, three gunshots can be heard. 12.36 p.m. The same student calls back for 21 seconds and is told to stay on the line quietly. 12.43 p.m. Gunman shoots the door. The student tells 911 that the gunman shot the door. 12.46 p.m. I can hear the police next door, says a student who called 911. 12.47 p.m. Another student calls. Please send the police now. 12.50 p.m. Shots are heard on the student's call. A Border Patrol tactical unit officer breaches the room using a janitor's keys and kills the gunman. 12.51 p.m. From the student's 911 call, it sounds like officers are moving children out of the room. At that time, the student makes it outside and the call cuts out. 1.06 p.m. Uvalde police announced on Facebook that the shooter is in custody. Authorities recanted that information later. So, that's the most accurate timeline that we have at this point. So, it took police officers about one hour and 15 minutes to enter the school and eliminate the active shooter after their first confrontation with him at 11.35 p.m., It took them one hour and 15 minutes to enter the school and eliminate the active shooter after that very first confrontation. This major delay has sparked major outrage and criticism. I'm telling you, heads are going to roll over this. That is too long of a response time. Texas uh, DPS director Stephen McCraw said that the police were waiting for tactical backup before breaching the classroom where the shooter had barricaded himself. He also said the police were wrong to do so. McCraw went on to note that in an active shooter situation, it is protocol to go after the shooter whether you have backup or not. He went on to say, by the way, Texas embraces active shooter training, active shooter certification. That doctrine requires officers, we don't care what agency you are from, you don't have to have a leader on the scene, every officer just goes. They line up, they stack up, they go, and they find where the rounds are being fired at, and they keep shooting until the subject is dead, period. That's what he said. This guy, Stephen McCraw, Texas DPS director. And that didn't happen. It took one hour in 15 minutes for an active shooter in an elementary school to be put down. And it's pathetic. Guys, if you know something that I'm missing here with this, you got to tell me. That's not right, man. The officer standing outside should have gone in and rushed the active shooter. Just like, remember, 
Tate Meyer did to the active shooter at his high school, Oxford High School in Oxford, Michigan. He was a high school kid. He had no weapon on him, and he rushed the shooter, and it gave other students time to escape. Tate lost his life for that, but he saved others. Those cops standing outside the school, they did have vests. They had guns. They had ammo. And this doesn't look good at all. I'm telling you, heads are going to roll. The Border Patrol agent credited with killing the 18-year-old Latino male who murdered the 19 children and two adults at Uvalde Elementary School was part of an elite unit that utilizes military special operations training. They're known as the Border Patrol Tactical Unit. BPTU is a small unit composed of only a couple hundred agents that is relied upon to carry out dangerous missions, including going after human traffickers and raiding stash houses. The Wall Street Journal reported that approximately 150 Border Patrol agents are stationed in Uvalde. When the local police sent out the call about the shooting, Border Patrol agents were among the first law enforcement to respond. The report said that 80 Border Patrol agents responded to the shooting and that the B-O-R-T-A-C agents usually carry their tactical gear with them. Initially, the Bortec agents couldn't get into the classroom because of a steel door and cinder block construction, the report said. Meanwhile, the gunmen shot at them through the door and walls. The Bortec agents got a master key from the school principal that allowed them to enter the room, the report added. One Bortec agent's shield was hit by rounds upon entering, and a second agent was wounded by shrap metal. A third is the one that killed the suspect. Amanda Presta Giocomo over at the Daily Wire, who reports, um, she reported that there was a mom, some of you have heard this story, who was trying to enter the school to save her two children. She was handcuffed by the U.S. Marshals, but then later uncuffed and then found a way to enter the school and she saved her two children. Here's a snip from that article. A mother of two students at Robb Elementary School in Uvalde, Texas, allegedly being briefly cuffed by U.S. Marshals on Tuesday after she urged officers to enter the school while an active shooter was still inside. After persuading her release, the mother said she she hopped a fence and rushed into the school, sprinting back out after she grabbed her children. The police were doing nothing, says mother Angeli Rose Gomez. Uh, That's what she accused them of, according to the Wall Street Journal. The police were doing nothing. They were just standing outside the fence. They weren't going in there or running anywhere. Gomez, a farm supervisor, reportedly drove some 40 miles to the school after she learned her second and third grade children were at risk. Gomez says that she was uh, one of numerous parents waiting outside the school who began encouraging, first politely, and then, with more urgency, encouraging police and other law enforcement to enter the school sooner. The journal report outlined... After a few minutes, she said U.S. Marshals put her in handcuffs, telling her she was being arrested for intervening in an active investigation. Desperate to reach her children, the mother said she was able to convince local Uvalde officers whom she knew to get the Marshals to uncuff her. 
Once freed from her cuffs, Miss Gomez made her distance from the crowd, jumped the school fence, and ran inside to grab her two children, the report detailed. She sprinted out of the school with both of them. A spokesman for the U.S. Marshal Service denied to the journal that any parents were ever put in handcuffs. Our deputy marshals maintained order and peace in the midst of the grief-stricken community that was gathering around the school, is what the statement said. Gomez didn't just recall being handcuffed herself, but claims that she witnessed one father being tackled and thrown to the ground and another guardian being pepper sprayed by authorities. Dude, can you blame these parents? If no police are going in to rescue your kids from an active shooter, what would you do as a parent? Because I'm going in. I'm going to find a way to go in. I'm going to get my kids or I'm going to distract that shooter And if I can, I'm going to kill him. And where is the school resource officer? Why don't they have one? Unfortunately, at this point in America, we need to have an armed officer at every school. We need to spend tax money on that instead of spending $40 billion to Ukraine. $40 billion was sent to Ukraine billion. We also need to start training and arming teachers who want to protect themselves and their students. I want you to think about this. We use guns to defend our president. We defend our congressmen with guns. We defend our governors with guns. We defend celebrities with guns. We defend sporting events with guns. Jewelry stores are defended with guns. Banks are defended with guns. Office buildings are defended with guns. Factories are defended with guns. The courts are defended with guns. The DMV is defended with guns. And we defend our children with a sign that reads, this is a gun-free zone. And then we call someone with a gun if there's a freaking crisis. Makes perfect sense, right? I lived in Nixon, Missouri for seven years, and every single school in that community had an armed police officer on campus. Elementary, intermediate, junior high, high school, all of them. The police car was parked at the front of the school entrance for everyone to see. You know who's here. I loved it. The protection of the students in that community was paramount. Every sporting event or assembly or whatever always had a police presence. The question keeps coming up. Who, where are the police? Why wasn't one there? And then the ones that were there, why aren't they doing anything? What are they waiting for, I should say? Another question that comes up is, uh, like with every shooting, who are the parents of this shooter? Why was the kid living with his grandma who he shot in the face? And I'm not sure of all the details about the 
home life and the family situation of this young man. But obviously, it wasn't good. The father of the shooter said in an interview with the Daily Beast, I just want the people to know I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry for what my son did. Saying that his son is a good person who stuck to himself. I never expected my son to do something like that. 42-year-old father said during this interview, which the beast conducted on the porch of his girlfriend's home where the killer's father has lived for several years. He should have just killed me, you know, instead of doing something like that to someone. The shooter's father said that he was at work when his mother called to tell him what his son had done. He panicked and called the local jail and asked if his son was there and then realized that his son was dead. They killed my baby, man, he said of his son. I'm never going to see my son again, just like they're never going to see their kids again. And that hurts me. That's what I know of the father of the shooter. Your son was not a good person. And it doesn't sound like you were a good father who was actively engaged with your son's life, providing, protecting, guiding, disciplining, loving, etc. It doesn't sound like that. You should have known more about your son. You should have seen him coming home with two rifles, DDM-4 rifles. You should have seen him coming home with hundreds of rounds of 5.56 ammo, and that should have alerted you. You should have seen a lot more warning signs with your son even way before that. Listen, guys, I'm not a perfect father, but come on. Here's what I really want to communicate. This is the big takeaway for us as Christian men. Really listen to me. When a tragedy happens, like this recent shooting at the elementary school in Uvalde, Texas, it is easy. It is so easy to blame guns. And it's easy to blame everyone who owns guns and everybody who, excuse me, supports the Second Amendment. That's easy. And that's predictable. But what people need to do is they need to zoom out and they need to try to see the bigger picture of what leads to such tragedies. There is more going on than politicians or the mainstream media will ever tell you. Here are some thoughts to consider. The first and foremost underlying problem, danger in America is that our government, our education system, and the media entertainment outlets in America have basically given God the middle finger. Screw you. We'll do it our way. We define truth. We define love, gender, justice, right, wrong, etc. F you, God. That's a bad idea, people. That's a very bad idea. It never works out good for the person or the nation who does this to God. History proves this. Let me grab a sip of my coffee. The second major underlying problem, danger in America, is fatherlessness. I've talked about this before on the podcast. Where the hell are the dads? 
We have a major man crisis in America that has produced a major boy crisis in America. As the great philosopher is known as the offspring, so passionately sung in the 90s, the kids aren't all right. It's so true. They're not all right. Many of the kids in America have not been all right for many decades now. Why? Because they don't have loving and engaged fathers who provide, protect, lead, guide, and love them and discipline them. Here are some sobering facts that come from two PhDs, Warren Farrell and John Gray, in their book, The Boy Crisis, Why Our Boys Are Struggling and What We Can Do About. It was published in 2018. They say, from their research, dad deprivation, dad deprivation is a leading cause of more than 25 social, psychological, academic, and physical health problems that overwhelm children, especially boys. The damage is longer lasting among boys. What dam- damage? Dad deprivation. He goes on, they say, uh, dads like moms, air, and water are essential to our lives, but we've tried to live without dads. We haven't tried to live without moms, air, or water. Goes on and it says, when boys are hurt, they hurt us physically, psychologically, and economically. A study of ISIS fighters concluded that almost all had in common, quote-unquote, some type of an absent father syndrome. When a boy sees little of his own dad, he hurts, and boys who hurt hurt us, not only in the Middle East, but also in the United States. Dad deprivation is the main hole in the heart common to boys vulnerable to gangs and to boys targeted by sexual predators. It was also common to boys recruited by Adolf Hitler for his Hitler youth. And boys, listen to this, too, boys who are too alienated to be recruited by others may recruit themselves as, for example, Lone school shooters. So when a boy, they're saying these boys who are not able to be recruited by something like ISIS or inner city gang or whatever, eventually they snap, they kind of recruit themselves as a lone school shooter. School shooters are usually, from their research, Caucasian boys, often suburban and dad deprived not saying they don't have a dad but it's like there's a dad but he's absent they're deprived you want to hear one last thing that just crushes this stupid idea that guns are the real problem and all this bs of if we only had stricter gun laws blah 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 and listen no i'm not against all gun laws I'm not against background checks. I'm not against proper training, etc. But guns are not the real underlying problem. The person holding the gun is the one who determines whether the gun is used for something good or evil. 
But you want to hear one more thing? Listen, that just crushes this idea. Listen to this. There was almost another mass shooting like a week ago at a graduation party in West Virginia. But the mainstream media won't tell you about that one. Here's a snip from an article I came across from Hank Berrien over at the Daily Wire. He writes, One intrepid woman who was a bystander near an area where a party was being held in West Virginia took matters into her own hands when a man pulled out an AR-15 style rifle and started shooting at partygoers, according to police. The woman yanked out a pistol that she had and she shot the man to death. Instead of running from the threat, she engaged with the threat and saved several lives last night, said the chief of detectives, Tony Hazlitt. He added that the woman would not be charged. No one else was injured after Dennis Butler, 37, started firing into the crowd gathered in a grassy area near an apartment complex in Charleston, West Virginia, according to police. There was a graduation party, a party with kids, Hazlitt said at a press conference. So obviously somebody just graduated high school and another birthday party. We could have had a casualty shooting here, shooting there. He estimated between uh, a mass casualty shooting there. He estimated between 30 to 40 people attended the parties. Hazlitt said Butler was at the apartment complex earlier. He was approached about speeding while there was a birthday party graduation party going on. He said that Butler did have an extensive criminal history, according to uh, WCHS but later returned in his vehicle and parked near the party. Hazlitt noted that roughly 30 minutes passed before the time Butler left and then returned. He said he got in the back seat and pulled out an AR-style rifle and started firing into the crowd. The crowd. Hazlitt stated that the woman firing her gun at the active shooter was lawfully carrying her firearm and was not a member of law enforcement, just a member of the community. There were multiple gunshot wounds, Hazlitt stated. She quickly engaged him and returned fire. Again, I credit her with being vigilant, watched him get out, engaged the threat, and she stopped him, Hazlitt said. That's not going to make Major news right there, guys. But you need to hear it. You need to tell others about it. Also, stuff that just drives me nuts. The media says that we're the only country in the world where these kind of shootings happen. And that's just a lie. Just recently, a gunman in Mexico shot up a hotel and killed 11 people. This kind of thing happens in... Central America, it happens in South America, it happens in Africa, it happens in the Middle East, all the time. No, it may not be a school, but there are mass shootings that happen all the time. Guys, the Second Amendment is a big deal to me. Once freedoms are lost, they're not given back. And the freedoms that we have as Americans 
have been earned through revolution, through bloodshed, suffering, and countless lives lost. We need to speak up and protect the Second Amendment and start addressing the real underlying problems. I like what Zuby recently tweeted. He said, we keep looking for political realm solutions to spiritual realm problems and being surprised when they fail. He goes on and he says, for as long as people want to talk about AR-15s more than they want to talk about fatherless homes, don't expect anything to get better. Ah, Mic drop. Listen, guys, I'll wrap it up. Step up and man up, my brothers. Best thing you can do. First and foremost thing you need to do. You yourself step up and man up. 1 Corinthians 16, 13, and 14. Be watchful. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. Let all that you do be done in love. Be good dads. Be involved. Pray for your kids. Love them, protect, provide, guide, encourage, discipline. Reach out and mentor boys, younger men. Get involved. Help other dads. Support other dads. Do something. You understand what I'm saying? Couple closing items of Grizz Biz. I've been doing some one-on-one online coaching with some guys to help them break free from porn addiction and just grow and develop as a Christian man. If you're interested in that, go to narrowtrail.com, narrowtrail.com, and there's an online application that you can fill out. Also, I've told you guys, climb teams are coming this summer. Those are online accountability support groups for Christian men and Christian leaders. We will have a separate group climb team just for pastors and youth pastors. You can learn more about that at narrowtrail.com. Also, sign up for The Growl. Sign up for The Growl. The Growl is a free periodic email that I send out. It is full of inspiration, motivation, encouragement, maybe even some funny stuff. You can do that also at narrowtrail.com on our homepage. Also, uh, some of you left us a rating and review this past week. Uh, Thank you much. We will be sending you an official Grizz Tribe t-shirt very soon. Last thing, consider, would you consider becoming a monthly supporter of our ministry of the Grizz Podcast for just $10 or $20 per month? Even if it's just $10 per month, that's $250 a week. Listen, if this podcast is a blessing to you, then be a blessing back, right? We put this podcast out free of charge. It is free to you, but it's not free to us. It costs our nonprofit money, much time, much resources to make this happen. So if you're in a position to become one of our monthly supporters, we would really appreciate it. Go to narrowtrail.com forward slash give, and you can set that up. I promise it's safe, it's secure, it's easy. Yeah, that's it for now, guys. I need to go hit the gym and lose this belly fat.
<laughs> That's good. 